Today's farmer panel, Stu Duncan and the Manny Atotos, Stu Lowe in North Canterbury, and Stu Lowe is at pains to point out, Stu, before we get on to farming, that it's not the franchise's problem, not the hurricane's problem. This is orders from above, from NZR. Yeah, for the, as far as resting people and things, but yeah, I wonder, yeah you just got to ask what, what uh, those fellas put on their... Um a declaration when they let come and go from the country. What's their occupation? And it's rugby players, so I feel they should be playing rugby, not not resting anyway. Well, you would think the players themselves would want to square up in these local derbies because they must get as bored, sh- uh, bored silly uh, by <laughs> playing. You. I don't know the Western Force or someone over in Perth. I guess so, but yeah, they've just got to manage their um, weekly year. Their trainings, they could miss a couple of trainings and, and they're all good players, so they're not going to um, drop their standards on Saturday if they've missed you know, Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday training, just turn up for Thursday training and get into it again, like the good old days. That <laughs> reminds me, was it in South Africa in 1970, Ivan Vodandovich was the all-black coach, the late Ivan Vodandovich, and he was notoriously brutal at training. And what did old Jazz Muller say? Or was, or was it Alistair Hopkinson, one of those legendary prop forwards, said they needed to play more games to get fit for the training runs? No doubt, yep. yep. Hey, Stu Duncan and the Mania Toto, you're a busy man. you got your bull sale this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, no, at 2 o'clock we're kicking off, and um, yeah, no, it's Good turnout, uh, turning up now, but uh, no, it's all been busy this morning, but not too bad. Good day now. Will you have as good a turnout as we had for the uh, inaugural World Emerson's Country Golf Day in December? Oh, we might have a few more, actually, but hopefully it doesn't get as messy as it did that day. Or <laughs> well, tell Andrew Hoare to go home earlier. What kind of balls are you selling? Are you selling the black ones, the Angus ones? Yeah, yeah, the popular ones, yeah, the Angus, yeah, that's them. No, they're pretty popular, and uh, no, we're one of the first sales around, so it's good to get it out of the way but there's quite a bit of demand so that's always good. Yeah I'm hearing there's really good demand especially for Angus beef balls. Yeah no it's a bit the trendy at the moment and long, I hope they stay that way really but I uh, know the balls are looking good we just had to withdraw one good injury and we had one die last week so that's a bit of annoying but uh, no it's pretty good we've got 32 pretty good balls so quite happy. What might you pay for a top Angus bull? Um, I'm hoping the tops will go 15, 16,000 and the average will be up around there. Maybe you know eight or nine thousand, hopefully, but definitely I think there'll be a pretty demand at between twelve and fifteen or sixteen thousand for those good balls. I was going to say, Stu, you must have been weeping quite literally when that one died. Yeah, well, two of them. Not that <laughs> ideal. Jamie, I lost a stud bull on fodder beat in the winter as well, so no, that's oh, not, geez. not Think, that exciting. Thinking we're in the wrong industry, though, with those kind of prices yeah. coming through. Yeah, what about what about you, Stu? Would you spend uh, fifteen grand on a Angus bull? Do you have, do you like? I, I know you've got a few beef cattle running around, but you, do you do any breeding on farm? No, I try and avoid that. But yeah. um, you know, just fatten fatten heifers and steers. But yeah, the old adage when I think when I was back as an agent, they always said that whatever the farmer gets for his uh, steer calves, he should be ten times that for the for a stud or for a, for a run bull. So there's quite a few people have. Got maybe a thousand dollars for their top pin of steer calves, so perhaps Stu they'll they'll spend ten grand on a bull. Yeah, I think Stu's just talking it up a wee bit, isn't he? Oh, no, <laughs> I don't think they're, they're very good cattle, so they'll sell well. As I had a sheep farming mate of mine, um, Stu Lowe, say to me, and he's a very good sheep farmer. He said, "There's no future in sheep farming." I was surprised. He's been doing it for forty years. One of the top guys in the industry. Is that a bit harsh? Well, people have got to eat and. And um, we're producing meat. I mean, the wool's a byproduct, but um, lamb and, and mutton, or well, lamb is a very good product. 
It's a great still, product. It always will be, but yeah, and mutton, muttons are you know, a bit like manufacturing beef at, at the end of the end of the ewe's life. You end up with a bit of mutton, and and the the Asians, yeah, China, and that are taking plenty of it, and, and they they appreciate that it's you know, red meat and it's a good product. Are we seeing sheep farmers transitioning a wee bit towards beef, though? I suppose it's the sensible thing to do at the moment, but not everyone's set up to run beef cattle. As, as the farming population, farmers' age, average age gets older, as, as we all are, um, they probably shy away from big, stroppy crossbred ewes and um, they're looking to either dairy graze um, or beef, yeah, beef cattle where if you this time of year you start shifting brakes and it's a lot easier on the body and the knees and stuff. Exactly. Or, or Stu, you could transition into pine trees. That might get a bite from you. Yeah, no, not round here, I don't think. Not round there? What about in the Maniatoto, Stu Duncan? Well, normally it's too dry to grow grass, alone grow trees, so... Um there's, you know, there's a few people thinking about it, but you're probably better off going somewhere else to grow your trees or buy a bit of land somewhere else. They're pretty hard to grow here. And how's the season treating you? It's been, well, it's been wet right around the country. I'm sure, well, both of you in kind of summer dry country. Do you welcome the rain regardless of how much you get? Yeah, well, we're as wet as an otter's pocket here at the moment, and uh, it's quite good, but it should set us up nicely for the spring. So uh, we're quite happy, but it, the cattle yards are just a mess and the roads are a mess and that's no, pretty wet, but uh, no, it'll be ideal for the spring. Yeah, and uh, there's always some bugger worse off than you, is what my mother used, or my dad used to say to me, and I think of the people on the North Island, and I think Stu Lowe, the South Island's had it pretty good. Yeah, no, we have, and yeah, we're much the same as the Minnesota. We're, we're pretty wet for the, normally, yeah, our wetter months are July and August, but um, we're going into the winter with um, your water tables right up there, so uh, yeah, it'll be a good spring, but um, could be a muddy old winter. Okay, there we go. There's our farmer panel, Stu Lowe and Stu Duncan. Stu Duncan's bull sale. Is he, are you still there, Stu? Yeah, yeah, Where, yeah. Where's your bull sale happening? On farm? Yeah, it's on farm, and then we go up to the woolshed and have a bit of a shindig afterwards, and then probably down to the Wedderburn just to oh, well, if I, off. If I wasn't emceeing the Southern Wood Council Forestry Awards tonight, I'd be there, Stu, because if you're getting 15 grand for all those bulls, you can afford to shout. Yeah, well, we've sort of got a few 24-packs in the corner and <laughs> see if we can get through them. I think there's a few at the pub now having lunch before they come here, so hopefully they're a bit more confident after a couple of beers. Good stuff.